people shouldn't think that like have to just heal themselves. It's not possible. We are mm -hmm. just a journey. I'm yeah. saying we're like Admeva Asimshana. Like yeah. well, this is constant. Totally. Every kid, every circumstance will bring out another place in you to work on. And there's no final healing. There's no final finish line. I think we work on it simultaneously at the same time. You know what I mean? I mean, many of the things I've done are not always deep, deep unburdening, you know? I can give you an example of, I remember when my oldest was, um, was younger, I always thought he needed to talk to me, have a relationship. Yeah. That was the primary thing, was we need to talk. We need to bond. You need to tell me things. And he's like this boy. He's uninterested. <laughs> Yeah, totally yeah. uninterested and I was getting very activated right right why isn't he talking to me how are we gonna have a relationship and I learned that that was about me that was yeah. what my need was as a child was right. everyone Different to talk languages. to me right. exactly so that wasn't deep unburdening sure it was just a realization and I'm dialoguing with that realization and negotiating you know in that moment that it's okay it really doesn't mean you're not gonna be close it's not about you it's about him this is what he needs actually what's love for him right now is not to make it talk As we wrap up this series on parenting our children to be emotionally healthy, you may be wondering, what if I tried all of that and it's just not working? I tried what you said in the basics episode. I tried what you said in the practical episode and it's just not working. Here comes the intervention episode where we learn from Shira Fruchter, who is a therapist who specializes in IFS, internal family systems, that will totally change your whole entire paradigm, your whole entire way of thinking about parenting our children to be emotionally healthy. Instead of thinking about what we can do for our children, think about what can you do for yourself. And when you start thinking and going really through all the steps in this episode, you will be able to parent yourself and your internal children better, which will then in turn lead your actual children having much more of emotional health and a much, much better life. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Thank you having me. So what is IFS? What's this all it's about? It's a great question. <laughs> okay. So IFS, always hard to describe in like just a few minutes, but um, it's basically stands for internal family systems. And it's a theory developed by Richard Schwartz. And essentially it's really about that we have a family inside ourselves, just like it's called internal family systems. So it's our internal family. Okay. And it really means that we all have a lot, a lot of parts that live within us. And we behave in certain ways that can sometimes be very extreme. Mm -hmm. So it's really like your personality. But sometimes we actually do things that we don't really want to be doing. What do you mean by you that? You know, so let's say a um, person's very anxious mm -hmm. or they're going to do public speaking and they're, you know, they get, they freeze up. So you wouldn't want to be doing that, right? So you'll, usually people will come to a therapist because they don't want to be doing certain behaviors. They'll okay. want to be getting rid of certain behaviors. Right, right, right. And what makes IFS very different is that we believe that all parts are welcome and every single thing you're doing is here to somehow help you. So, so you're saying like the freezing up is, is meant to send you, let's say, a message or something that is meant to help you, just you need to, let's say, work through that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So anything you have, any type of your, of your personality trait that feels extreme to you, you know, like very confrontational, very shy, um, people-pleasing parts, perfectionistic parts, very guilty. So all of these parts essentially are your internal family and each of them is acting extreme in order to protect you somehow. Interesting. Yeah. And okay. it's a very different way of looking at your parts. Right. Right. Because naturally we assume that when we begin therapy, we want to get rid of these parts. Right. Right. 
But really, what what we do in IFS is we learn to uncover how they're trying to help us. Right. It's kind of like speaking to those parts and saying, like, what are you trying to tell me? Exactly. What message is it? Exactly. Precisely. Okay. Exactly. The thing is about IFS is that the core of the whole model is what we call self. What do you mean? Okay. So self is defined by eight C words. I'll just give you three. Um, <laughs> compassion and curiosity and clarity. Let's say okay. those three. And right, right, right. the goal is to be able to look at your parts and dialogue with your parts from a place of self, mm-hmm. which is really your inner core, like the neshama. Um, it's your inner wisdom. It's your most grounded, centered space, where then you could begin to look at these parts and really understand how they became this extreme to begin with. Mm. And how are they really trying to help you? Wow. And when we can be curious about our parts, we can learn a lot about them. Wow. And through that, yeah, it's fascinating. We see how they developed and what their real intention is for you. Now, I want to say many times our parts do impact us in ways we don't like. So to freeze up when you're about to give a presentation wouldn't really be a positive impact. But its intention is positive for you. So the goal is to really uncover the positive intention of all your parts from a place of self. Interesting. Yeah. How did you get involved in all this? So basically, I would say I've been, I got my degree like 20 years ago. Okay. And a decade in, when I was already in private practice, I felt like I was, didn't really have enough of a map. Like, what am I really doing in this room? Like, you know, meeting these people, I'm so kind and compassionate and validating, but I couldn't really concretize, like, how am I creating change? Mm -hmm. So I decided that I was going to go for a specialty and I was between CBT and IFS. It was, yeah, it recently became like a real, you know, craze in the world, but then it was. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um, but I fell in love with it very fast. And I ended up doing level one, level two, and level three of the training. And um, yeah, and I use I'm basically a purist and I use it, but I really use it for myself and for my family and for my clients. So take us through that. You just said you use it for yourself and for your family. And that's why, yeah. you know, for this episode of intervention of emotional health, I felt like this is a perfect, it's, it's, a, it's a very unique, you know, thing to look at. Yeah. I feel like it's perfect. So t- take us through that. What does that mean for yourself, for your family? What, what does that yeah. look like? So basically, you know, up until 10 years ago, I, I, I would say that I, when I had something about myself that I didn't like, I assumed I needed to get rid of it. I very strongly judged it and shamed it. But what was a big change and shift for me was looking at a part of mine and saying like, wow, how are you trying to help me? Mm. How are you trying to serve me? Wow. Why are you here? And I think just the ability to have the self-energy really just self-energy, which is that inner core, that inner wisdom, that in of itself was so life-altering because I really began to look at the world through kinder eyes. And I always say like our knee-jerk response to most things in life is we judge ourselves or we judge others. Right. Almost instantly something yeah. happens. I criticize you or I criticize myself. Right. And understanding what's that self-critic about? How could it step aside? A lot of the model is reduction. If I can move things aside and I can really see the world through my really my inner goodness, my inner core, find eyes, a place of compassion, then we can really, I'm saying it's, it's transformative, both for me, to treat myself that way, but also to treat everybody else that way. Mm. I think that's what really um, drew me to the model the most, um, was that, yeah, so. You're saying, because you felt like it was something that you used to do with yourself, it was like you would always just like put, try to get rid and put yourself down in ways that was like, what's gonna, what's gonna help you? And you found this model. Totally. Wow. Totally. Yeah. And, and the next step of the model is understanding how the extreme part developed. And it brings you right back to usually childhood spaces. And that's really how our parts developed. That's coping mechanisms. That when we're little, you know, we needed to develop a part that was, let's say, very caretaking or very pleasing because of our environment. But the thing is that we're still using those parts 20 years later. 
And I think what also drew me to the model was the idea of Bechira. That, no, I have a choice. Like, I don't have to still be, you know, a caretaker all the time. I could be a caretaker if I want to, but I could also learn to say no. Mm. And maybe as a child, it wasn't safe to say no. Right. So this part was protecting me for years and years and years and years. But now it's actually safe. I'm safe now. So the whole way to look at the brain and rewire the brain, it made me feel like there's so much choice of our behaviors. And it was very empowering to feel like change could really happen. And I can operationalize it. Yeah. It's like dealing with emotional baggage in a, in a, in a, in a, in a healthy way. Not trying to say, let's get rid of this, but let's, let's embrace exactly. it and say, there's a reason this was here. What was that reason? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Fascinating. Yes. Does, does it look different based off of either gender or age, meaning this, this concept of IFS? Gender, definitely not. I don't think so, at least. Um, age, it's, you know, people are always asking if they could do IFS on their children. Mm. Um, I think we do it on ourselves first. I think that when, when kids are young, we, you, there are people that do IFS on kids, but I think, I, I don't think you would, you would do it for the child. Like, I think that you're, as you're raising the kid, you're keeping this, you're conceptualizing the model and having it in mind. What does what that mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. It means that, you see, today, what we're looking at in IFS is our extreme parts, mm-hmm. right? And parts become extreme through trauma. The reason why a part would become so extreme, which equals so protective, right? right. Protecting you in such a right, strong right, way right. is because of trauma. What we want to give our kids is a, is a parenting through self-energy and not having them have such deep trauma from us. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't control the world. We even what know- do you, What do you mean by that? Sorry. Self-energy. Meaning, meaning the self, which is the core, which is, it's so hard to explain, but it's really the eight C words, which is really the ability to see through, you know, to our children, to our spouses, to ourselves with kind, compassionate, curious eyes, mm-hmm. right? And not to go right into parts, which are very judgmental, very uh, agendized. You're saying, always asking kind of like, why would they do that as opposed to saying in, in, in a, in a mm-hmm. non-judgmental, well, so- I guess that's where it's a little challenging because the why would you do that? That sounds very judgmental. Exactly. So how do you shift that to be non judgmental way? Like what questions should you be asking? It's a great question. So like the way I like to say it is self has a very soft, um, a soft tone. So for example, you know, when I'm saying I'm teaching seminary girls, let's say they're looking to change, you know, and they don't really want to work on um, Lashon Hara Mm -hmm. or, you know, Kavana Batsvila. Right. So you could, a part, an extreme manager part would say, why aren't you davening well? What are you, an idiot? Mm-hmm. You're so lazy, you can't get out of bed on time? What, you're, that's your davening? It's so fast, you're just an idiot. That's an extreme part and a very agendized, intense manager. Mm-hmm. Again, what's it doing? It's protecting her from something she doesn't want to feel. Right. Self-energy would say, why is it hard for you to daven? Right. What's going on what's with the you? What's the reason? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, let right. me help you. I want to help you. I want to understand what's hard about it. Teach me. Right? Think about kids that are having temper tantrums. It's a very, has a very, very purposeful, positive intention when they're tantruming and banging on your door. Right. Just not the right way to get there. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to go to the kid, you would never say to the kid, you're such a loser, you're such an idiot. Right. Why are you banging on my door? But saying to them at that time, also saying, what's the reason, you, especially in a tantrum, they're not able to. No. But even no. also for an age, and you know, I guess we'll come back to that question of like what ages we can do this with our children in a way, because uh, I know you mentioned that. Exactly. <laughs> so, but it, it's hard for them to be able to. Yeah. They really? wouldn't do it. And that, in that place, we would be the one. And then we'll get to this. It's really about us being in self-energy. It's about us getting to that core and reducing all the parts. For them. For them, yeah. And then to give that energy over. And to be able to model that. And to be able to regulate ourselves so we can come to them with our best, best self. 
Oh, so I mean, you're saying we're not we're not going and talking about their self. It's, we're talking about ourselves. Exactly. That's interesting. Exactly. That's what I was saying. We're not doing it on them. But I call it self-led parenting. Mm-hmm. That when we are self-led as parents, then we're able to parent better because we're regulated when we parent. And we can get into I, you'll tell me when you're ready, but we'll get into that at length. In terms of, so you're saying a, a parent can't do this for a child. It's not that they can't do it. It's, it wouldn't be the way. Like, I think that it's already a part saying that. It's a very agendized way to look at parenting. Uh-huh. Like our goal is not to do anything for our children. Right, right. We want to model and really look at our children with compassionate eyes and curiosity and parent them with what's best for them and their needs. But you're saying what you're saying in terms of like the, the, the self is doing that on our on ourselves, exactly. not on the things that are going on with the children. I mean, not looking at them saying, what's the reason that you're doing this more so within ourselves? So what's the reason that this is frustrating me right now? Also, and what's the reason why they're doing this? I could think oh, so you're to myself. As a parent thinking, okay, yes, okay, I could okay, think okay, to myself, it. why is my teenager being so snappy at me? Right. He is in a part right now. Mm-hmm. He is an extreme part. What does that equal in my mind? He is trying to protect himself. There's two tracks in life. There's pain. Mm-hmm. And there's pain prevention. Right, right. And most people live in pain prevention. We don't want to feel vulnerable. We don't want to feel pain. But really, pain is the price of freedom. If we could allow ourselves to feel pain, then really we have bechira over how we're functioning. But kids can't do that. We can't expect that from children. But that's what I mean when I say, like, we're not doing it on children. We can't expect them to have self-energy and less parts. But we can expect that of ourselves. And I think that's really our job as parents is to just be the best us. Totally. Yeah. My, my father always says, my father's a, you know, a long time mechanic and he always says, whenever a child is, 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 you know, making trouble in school or at home, whatever, they're really just trying to send some sort of message to you. They don't know how to properly do that, but they're just trying to send a message. They're not, no one wants to be bad. Exactly. There's no such thing as a child who wants to be bad. They just need some help right now. They need some guidance, which is- That's exactly like, IFS. Exactly. Okay. There's no, even, and Dick Schwartz goes on to say, like, there's no bad parts. That's his right. latest book. Because oh, you said even, they're all welcome. That's what you said Yeah, before. parts are all welcome. All parts are welcome because even parts that are so destructive. And honestly, he goes as far as to say criminals, that everyone is just trying the best they can and acting in extreme parts based on their trauma. And that's the best they could do. And the other reason why I love that is because there's no blame in this. You can't blame your parents because they were also in parts from their lives and doing the best they could do. Right. Everyone's right. just doing the best they could do. Nobody wakes up in the morning and wants to hurt anybody. Sure. You were saying before that the best way for parents to, to be able to be the best parent and take care of their own children's emotional health is to be self-regulated themselves. Yeah. Well, let's unpack that now. <laughs> what does, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. So I think that for the first 10 years that I, that I was a parent, I really like had no understanding of this. I think that I learned a lot of parenting techniques. I read a lot of books. I could master all the courses. I could right. tell you anything. But I was doing it from parts. I mm-hmm. actually think that I was doing it from perfectionistic parts. That mm. I needed to be the perfect parent. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. that's a part. Needing to be the perfect parent, it's very agendized. It's very extreme. It takes me over, right? And I'd be doing things I didn't want to be doing because under the guise of I need to be the perfect parent, right? So if you, we, what we do in IFS is we take self-energy. We ask that part what it's afraid would happen if it stepped aside. What am I so afraid of if I wasn't the perfect parent, right? That brought me back to my own childhood, right? My own trauma in childhood and needing to really never, ever, you know, do to my kids anything that was done to me or be better than anything that was done to me and give them the perfect blissful childhood. The problem is that parts get what they're trying to avoid. What do you mean parts get? Parts, extreme parts actually get what they're trying to avoid. By doing that and being so perfect, I was exhausted. Mm. Right. I wasn't being the perfect parent at all. Right, right, right. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. 
I wasn't enjoying when I was actually doing things with my children. I was actually doing it because I was being forced. Because you just felt like I have to do this right now. In order to be the perfect parent, I have to do this. And therefore, if I don't do this, then I'm... Exactly. Exactly. So I think I learned, um, you know, I I kind of visualize it like a tree trunk. Like the trunk is really the self-energy. And the branches are really the parenting techniques. But if you jump to the techniques before you actually have that solid trunk, it's not so useful. Kids know us so well. You know what I mean? Like I remember my, when my son once said to me when he came home from Yeshiva, it must have been like 10 p.m. And I was forcing myself to stay awake. And I remember him saying like, just go to bed. I know you want to be in bed. Go to bed. You know, and here I was, I was trying to be the perfect parent, but it was, he was reading through it. Right? So I think when I met this, this whole model, I realized, you know, two things. I would say number one is if I could really be, show up because I want to, the kids feel that so much more than because mm-hmm. I have to. Right. Right. So anytime, like, you know, I always like to say like perfectionism. So with Bechira, right. Perfectionism could look like, um, one, you know, the one time, once a year that your son's making a beautiful seum, you're going to make that perfect cake for him. You're just saying, take the perfectionistic right, part when you, and put it in because I it want into. to. Interesting. But if like your mother-in-law is coming for supper, do you have to make the most gourmet supper? Perfectionistic part would say, yes, you do. Mm. But from self-energy, we could say, you know what? It's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, step aside. I love that. I love that. Right. Wow. So that's really Picking what happens. and choosing where you put your parts. Exactly. That's, that, that, that's IFS. Seamlessly being able to really navigate and recognizing that you have a self, you have a core. We call it the benevolent parent. That I am here to parent all my inner children. I'm going to be the parent. I am the leader of this orchestra, and I'm going to decide who shows up when. Right. So as opposed to being part led, which is that they take me over. So I think when I met this model, I really realized that I want to parent when I want the techniques, but only when I choose them from a self-led part, uh, sorry, from a self-led place of like self-energy and then choosing. So essentially, um, I think there was two things that got in my way. One was avoiding feelings I didn't want to feel, right? So I'd be in a part, like, you know, let's say a parent can't say no to a child. So what would be, what would the parent be afraid of if they right. said no to a child? The kid uh, won't like, like them. them right. Exactly. And then if the kid doesn't like me, what will happen to me? I'm a failure. So here it is. Part that can't say no as a parent is petrified of feeling like a failure. Right. Okay. Although, you know, we all know what happens. You don't say no. And then anyway, it's two hours later, you rage because right. you're so angry. You didn't say no. Right. Okay. And that's being worse. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because you gave in so many times, then you're angry. Kids do not appreciate that. Or the second thing, which is also so profound from IFS, is that we unfortunately parent our internal children instead of our external children. Mm-hmm. So here it is. You have your children in front of you. What we're doing is we are unconsciously parenting them in the way we want to be parented. Mm. And we don't realize it. We're actually in parts that think we know what they need because it's what we needed. Right. And what we want to do is really reparent our own inner children and then show up for our external children in the way they need. Wow. Sounds like everyone should be doing a lot of therapy before they have children. I mean, ideally. Alongside. Along, oh, alongside. I mean, first get ready. And then, and then also alongside, <laughs> yeah. like, like both. <laughs> right. But I have to say, it is hard to know. Yeah. It's very hard to know when clients come in and say, you know, single girls come in and say, I'm here because I want to be the best wife and I want to be the best mom. Uh, we have no idea what their struggles are going to be. Right. We just right. can't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when the kids grow us, they really will hit us exactly where we need to be hit. And I feel like so much about it is just letting go of control. And parts are so controlling. Yeah. They really control us. They don't let us just surrender and let go and go with the flow. Yeah. So, totally. Yeah. I know personally, I had a Rebbe when I was in Yeshiva who it happens to be he was a therapist. I don't know if he dealt with IFS, but it happens to be, remember we were once, you know, I was once asking him for advice on a specific thing. 
And he's like, well, you know, what, talk to that part inside of you. What, what, what are you, you know, what are you feeling? Why do you feel that way? You know, what, what would you, what would you say? To, what, how would that part feel if let's say you said no? Right. And, and yeah. now that you're saying this, I'm like, that was I IFS. Wonder if I don't know if he was actually like doing IFS per se, but right. it's, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, it's really doing that. Wow. Yeah. Like when parents get, you know, get activated with our children. Right. I always just recommend we first be there for our own part. And we could settle our own part, which is our own inner child. And we can focus on the outside world. Right. But we say in IFS, if it's intense, it's yours. Mm. If something is intense for you, it's your stuff. Right. That's why some children will activate I mean, you're you. are saying when, when, a when a parent is getting so yes. like triggered by it, something that your child is doing, it's really because that's actually your own. Not, not completely. Completely. It's touching you. I remember one of the biggest things when I, mm. I used to feel like my kids are hurting me. That is such a part. Kids don't hurt parents. Right. Six-year-olds are not trying to hurt their parents. Yeah, yeah. Right? But our brains are sometimes distorted. That's a part that's not about my child. That's about me. Right. And the part in me that believes that my kid's doing this intentionally to hurt me. Wow. Hmm. This is really fascinating. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So, you know, though I guess not, uh, not leaving the IFS model, but let's say a parent has tried either to do IFS or they're just trying to raise an emotionally healthy child. And they're struggling with that. Everything that they've tried is not working. So what, what does a parent do at that point? Meaning at what point, I guess, either do we go to a therapist or is, is there something that they could do like specific techniques within IFS that they should be trying? Yeah. You know, what, what do you yeah. recommend? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to know. I think that definitely a lot of times kids do need outside help. Um, if we were able to give them that type of, you know, hour a week, undivided attention, mm -hmm. you know, therapist energy for a kid, I'm sure they benefit most from their parent. Yeah. But usually those kids are also activating us and triggering us. Would you us. say that even if a parent doesn't necessarily know? Yeah. I really believe that even if a parent just gave one full hour of undivided love, so healing. Love heals. Love yeah. truly, truly heals. But we, we're parents and we have other kids and we have other things we're juggling and it's really hard and we get triggered. Once we're triggered and we don't have self-energy, mm -hmm. we're not, we're giving less quality parenting to our child, mm. you know? And um, wanting to raise emotionally healthy children is a part really apart. I don't think we have so much, um, we could do our shadless, we could do, you know, our effort, but I don't know how much I always say, I don't take credit for the, for the, the good children. You know what I mean? The ones that turn out the ones we want, <laughs> what, what we wanted, but I don't right. take, you know, we don't take blame for the bad. Yeah. You can't do, it's like, usually we blame ourselves for the trouble ones, you know, but then we have to, then we take credit right. for the good ones. Right. I don't think that makes ways. any sense. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that Hashem puts certain neshamas in the world. And I think that, you know, our goal is just to love them. I don't know if it's our goal is to try to make them emotionally healthy. I think the more security we can give them and healthy attachment, I think so much of this, and I wish I would have known this, is when the kids are little. I think so much of the, of the basis of this is, and if anyone listening to this, do it when your kid is one. What do you mean? Do, I think when you're- Do what? Meaning do be that regulated, Yeah. Be right. that regulated, secure, kind, loving, compassionate parent mm -hmm. at zero and one and two. Right. And speaking from someone who has seven children and my baby's four, <laughs> I wish someone would have told me that because I think that people think that like your chanach will start at three. Mm -hmm. That's when the classes start. Right, you know, that's right. when it's relevant. You could do punishment, but it's really not true. I think there's a lot of misguidance that like, no, I think being regulated, being kind, showing love and facial expressions to your child, they get it when they're one. Yeah. They get it when they're two. And I think that having that energy when you're young and seeing when you're young, the parts that are activating you. Yeah. Is it the kids crying? Is it the mess? We know very young when we start the parenting journey what it is that gets us. And those are our parts. 
Yeah. You know, those are parts that I need control. You know, I know for myself, bedtime was always my nemesis. A very hard time for me. I got a lot of parts were activated then. Yeah. Around bedtime. I don't know, you know, and every person could explore for themselves what their parenting struggle is and what makes that, you know, exact point, yeah. you know, their difficulty. Um, so I think, yeah, I think therapists are great. Play therapy is great. Nothing is fast. Yeah. Nothing is fast. Whenever I refer someone, I don't work Very with kids true. at all. Right. Whenever I refer someone, you know, under 18, I always say, you have to give it six months. Don't even turn around for six months. Don't even ask any questions. Really? Six months. Wow. Six months. Don't even ask any questions. Mm. And honestly, one of the biggest things I think about play therapy, that the kid knows in their brain that a parent came and they were there for them and they gave them and they tried to get them help. Right. And even if it didn't help them, the fact that it's wired in the brain that a parent responded to them and tried to help them is such a resource for a child as they get to get older. And and you don't think that a child's then going to necessarily develop attachment to the, or look to the therapist to be the one who they turn to as opposed to the parent? It's unusual. Highly unusual. Listen, yeah. if they have a secondary attachment figure, yeah. nothing negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's unusual. Parents turn, kids turn to their parents no matter what. Right. Kids turn back to their abusive parents. Right. It's true. It's unbelievable. Uh, there's nothing a kid wants more than just to be with their parent and have their parents love. Yeah. It's just how, actually, I'm really wired us that way. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So take us through the steps a little bit in terms of IFS. So, you know, a, a parent is, is struggling emotionally and they, in terms of how they react to their children. Good. So first things first, they have to identify what is it that, that, that's, you know, this part inside of me that's, that's being triggered right now. Good. Okay. That's okay. step one. Yes. Yeah. So something okay. happens in your house. You have any examples, but you know, something happens, a kid, two kids are fighting or. Kid doesn't want to go to sleep at bed. Kid doesn't want to take a bath or exactly. kid is, you know, screaming, tantruming yeah. for. Exactly. I don't know. And then there'd be two questions I would ask. What yeah. do you feel and what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. As a parent, what do we feel in the moment? And what do we do? Usually we go into doing. Right. So we go into action. So, you know, some people are going to force their child to take a bath. Some people are going to bribe their child to take a bath. Some people are going to, you know, use cooperation techniques, whatever it is, but you're not regulated usually. Some parents are, some parents don't mind, but something happens that you feel triggered and you go into a part. Right. Usually the part is there to avoid a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. So if we could pause in that moment and really check in, what would happen if I didn't do that? If I didn't force my child to take a bath, you know, or if I didn't um, force my kid to go to sleep, what am I afraid would happen? Mm-hmm. And then we get an answer, which usually is a feeling. But is that something that a parent can identify on their own? I, I think a parent can. Listen, yeah. it takes self-awareness. It takes a little bit of quiet meditation. Yeah. Um, the years I was doing this, I would literally sit on the couch and I would just, I remember those years just being like very triggered and just sitting with myself and thinking. You're in I the moment, you like in the a moment. step aside and step just. aside and what would I, what am I feeling right now? What would mm. I want to do? And what am I feeling? A lot of the feelings for me was helplessness. Mm. That if I do something, I'll avoid helplessness. Very powerless. To be in a situation where your kid's doing something and you cannot control it. Right. So we do everything we possibly can to control. And, some, and often it doesn't work. The only thing that comes out of it is that we create more negativity in the relationship. Right. You know, so how can I stay regulated? For a lot of years, my goal was I need to stay regulated. That's the only goal here. There's one goal is that I will stay regulated. Right, right. And thinking of ways to help my parts that needed to stay regulated. So I could really remain with some self-energy. Even if it wasn't the best chanach. At least I didn't lower myself to places that I didn't want to be and right. become a person I didn't want to be. Right. And react, you know, in a, in a way that would maybe even sometimes be more damaging and more hurtful or not Very necessarily likely. maybe, but probably more yeah. likely. Yeah. Right. 
being very reactive. Yeah. yeah. Very hard. And it's very hard for parents because things happen so fast. Yeah. It's very, very hard to slow down in parenting. What we happened is I find often the dysregulation that our kids have, it's very contagious. And we literally feel urgency. We feel like we need to respond right now. Right. Like if a, if a child's not listening, you feel like I have to get them to listen this second. Exactly. What is that? Right. Exactly. What is that part? Exactly. Almost like it's an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like to tell my clients is nothing's happening. There's absolutely no emergency now. It's so scary when a kid doesn't listen to you. You think somehow the part believes this is like really bad. Like this can't happen in this house. Right. Kids have to listen to me. And depending on who you are and how much control you need, you'll be more or less activated. For some parents, they never think anyone listens to them. But what is that? Like, how does a parent, how does, how does a person then figure, like, figure out what exactly that is? Like, let's, uh, let's go to that example. Right. Person's feeling they're not listening to me right now. Yeah. So I would ask that part. So, you know, okay. So there's a part of you that, that, you know, is getting very angry because the kids aren't listening to me right now. Okay. And I would learn about that part. Teach me about that part. I want to be curious about that part. What does that part say? What's that part's role? Mm-hmm. I would literally hear from the part as though I'm interviewing it now. And there's a third person here with us. And let's hear about that part. Not you at all, but that part. We'd be curious about that part. And what's the part afraid would happen if they didn't listen? Yeah. You didn't make them listen. What's that part afraid would happen? And we can go down a million things. The thing about IFS is it's laser-like. And we could all have that part and each of us have our t- its own story. Uh, so you're saying it's not going to, it's really, because it, like you said before, it's totally, usually gets often attached to our own childhood. Exactly. Trauma or exactly. experiences. and Yeah, attachment injuries or trauma. Mm-hmm. So every person is going to have their own, you know, vision of why listening is so fundamental to them. Not every parent will have it. That's the interesting thing. Not everybody has it, are obsessed with kids listening to them. Mm-hmm. Some parents love punishment. Some parents hate punishment. Right, right. You see that different parents have different extreme parts in parenting. And I think it's just learning about your extreme parts in parenting, asking them what their fate would happen if they stepped aside, how they develop, and getting to the feeling beneath them. What are they protecting you from? For some people, they're protecting them from being an inadequate parent. They'll feel like a failure. They'll feel unlovable. Like if I'm not going to do this for my kid, then they won't love me. Right. They'll feel insignificant. They'll feel unimportant. I should have said in the beginning that, you know, there are universal things we don't want to feel. We call them exiles in IFS. Exiles are all the feelings we push away and we don't want to feel. That's what the parts are protecting us from. Not feeling a lot of universal exiles, powerlessness, helplessness worthlessness, abandonment, rejection. Right. These are all the feelings that nobody wants to feel in the morning. Sure, sure. So that's what kids can make us feel a lot. Well, it sounds like in this one, it would be like powerless, right? You're feeling like I don't have the power over, you know, getting my child to do what I need this child to do. Completely. So what, what is then one, you know, what do you do then? Good. And then we would under, we'd try to understand, okay, but when have you felt powerless? How did feeling powerless become so scary for your system? Right? Not everybody's so afraid of powerlessness. For some people, they're so afraid. Usually people that were so afraid of powerless were people that their power was taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And from a young age, maybe they were bullied. Right. Like a kid that was bullied for years in school. They are going to become extremely motivated to make sure they have power. Right. Nobody will take away their power. That's mm-hmm. an extreme part. And that might have been very useful for them for years to get through elementary school and high school and to get married. But now they have little kids and they're still acting as extreme as they would with a bully in third grade. Right. But these are just their kids. And their children are not bullying them. Yeah, they're safe. Exactly. But you you get triggered the same way. Exactly. They're safe now. Right. So if we could just give a mental dialogue in our brain, you're safe now. Nothing's happening. It's okay. No one's taking away your power. Mm -hmm. This is bringing you back to third grade. 
you're not there anymore. You're safe now. And then we could parent again the way we want to parent. Right. Wow. And I always say we could do, we could do the same thing with different energies. We could try to get a kid in the bath just with a different energy. Right? We what could, you, so what do you mean by that? Meaning we could try to get into the kid, kid into the bath with a very extreme energy, a very intense energy, an urgency, an emergency. Or we could just say, sweetie, it's time to take a bath. Like, right. I'm, you know, mommy's going to count to five. If it doesn't work, I can't read you a book. But I stayed regulated. Right. I stayed who I want to be. Right. You didn't let that part take over you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Any, and, and, any, any next steps after that? Next steps are probably in the therapy room. Okay. Um, you know, the, the next real step would be, I'd have to say that if you come across the same thing over and over again, and you realize that your system is very afraid of powerlessness, you'll have to unburden the powerlessness. You'll have to really go back to the place where you really felt your power was taken away, or you really felt very worthless, right? or you felt abandoned, and then go back and really be there like for that trauma. To, yeah, it sounds like you first need to like deal with that trauma, and then you can like start to do the reparations you need for now. Yes, but I like to say you could do it simultaneously. Oh, you could. Yeah, okay. people shouldn't think that like have to just heal themselves. It's not possible. We are mm -hmm. just a journey. I'm yeah. saying we're like I may have asked him Shana. Like yeah. well, this is a constant. Totally. Every kid, every circumstance will bring out another place in you to work on, and there's no final healing. There's no final finish line. I think we work on it simultaneously at the same time. You know what I mean? I mean, many of the things I've done are not always deep, deep unburdening. You know, I can give you an example of. I remember when my oldest was. Um, was younger, I always thought he needed to talk to me, have a relationship. Yeah. That was the primary thing was we need to talk. We need to bond. You need to tell me things. And he's like this boy. He's <laughs> uninterested, yeah, totally yeah. uninterested. And I was getting very activated. Right, right. Why isn't he talking to me? How are we going to have a relationship? And I learned that that was about me. That was yeah. what my need was as a child, was right, everyone to talk languages. to me. Right. Exactly. So that wasn't deep unburdening. Sure. It was just a realization. And I'm dialoguing with that realization and negotiating, you know, in that moment that it's okay. It really doesn't mean you're not going to be close. It's not about you. It's about him. This is what he needs. Actually, what's love for him right now is not to make him talk. Wow. You know, mm. so that's the kind of reframe we could do without the deep therapy work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 Are there, were, are there any things, I guess, within this concept of IFS that parents wouldn't think to even ask about or wouldn't, you know, know necessarily? I just think, I think that, again, the two main things I would say that I, I didn't know, and I don't know if people know there's so much awareness these days, is checking if, am I parenting from a place that's good for the child? Am I seeing the child or am I needing to be seen myself? Mm. And I think if I'm needing to be seen, that's not what our kids are here for. Yeah, They're yeah. not really here to see us. You know, like maybe at some point if we got nachas or them, that's a beautiful cherry on top. That's not what they're here for. We're here to love them. That's all. That's our job. Yeah. and. We need to be seen sometimes so deeply from our own trauma. We need to see ourselves. We cannot assume the children are going to see us. Like parents, you know, do things for their kids and then they're so upset they're not appreciative. Right. It's nice if they're appreciative. It's beautiful if we model appreciation, but we can't do things for appreciation. Yeah. yeah. We need to give ourselves appreciation. Anytime we look for something in the outside world, especially from a kid, just turn, do a U-turn, we call it. Literally just do a U-turn. Take that button on the, on the phone and just press it, you know, turn the screen. Just go back to yourself. Yeah. Just give it to yourself. See yourself. Uh, thank you. Good job to yeah. you. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just good job. Exactly. Just good job. Good job to you. Right. Or look how hard you work. Or look how hard this is. You know? Right. right. Um, and I think modeling, I think we're so busy trying to do things on our children. Like on our children. I think mm -hmm. it's just really the best is just to model it, work on ourselves, yeah. be our best selves. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like those are the really, and, and the self-regulation piece. I, I know for me, again, I don't know where people are at these days, but for me, if I, had I known that self-regulation was such an important quality when I was younger, you know, how primary it is to just try to be that regulated, solid. Right. What more can they want? Totally. You know? I feel like people often talk about self-care, but talk about like pampering themselves or doing things, but this is like a deep self-care. Exactly. Like in a really, really, wow. Exactly. Self-care or self-led care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This Thank was you. extremely insightful. Really, really appreciate your time. And really, this was very, very insightful. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. What an incredible episode. This episode was, I mean, this conversation just really blew me away. It was, it was fascinating. And I, I personally, I found myself really relating to it. As I mentioned in the episode that I had this experience with my, one of my Urbayim, who once, you know, seemingly used this concept of IFS to help me, you know, relate to certain things that I was dealing with. And it's a really powerful tool. Really, I mean, I can tell you from my own firsthand experience, it really, really works. And, you know, it's something that as as we had this conversation, as I was talking to Shira, really got me thinking about different things that I, how I react right now with, whether it's with my children sometimes, or things how I react with my students in my classroom. And now that it just got me starting to think, okay, well, what, what is that? What's, what's really going on deeper? And if I think if, if parents really took this approach, we as parents will be so much more emotionally healthy. And that's just automatically going to lead to much more emotionally healthy children. You know, ho hopefully you really won't need to come to any other intervention. This, this can be it. This can be it. So I, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to us on the, on the hotline. Reach out to us uh, at jennaoff.org. We'd really love to, to hear your feedback and, and follow us on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door and on Twitter at Yet Your Man Shell. And uh, looking forward to another another episode. Have a great, great week.